Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the Upper Tier Podcast, the football podcast we bring you each and every week out there on YouTube. If you could head out there and smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Tonight, we have a very special show. We have another order on all the way from Dover and Kent, an avid Manchester United fan, but like myself, an avid football fan, first and foremost, John McNichol. Welcome to the show. Cheers, Noel. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on as well. No um, we we will get into talk about the two books, which I think are excellent. Um, but before we get into them, give us a bit of background. Footy, football, fandom, all that kind of stuff. If you're like myself, I'm a fan of football. I would watch kids on the street play it with jumpers on the street. I just love football, first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, you know, oh, sort of especially this time of year, which would have been the World Cup originally. Um, I was nine years old, fell in love watching Italian 90, thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, and it sort of went on from there, really. Um, you know, I'm a qualified football coach as well. Got my level two badge, started doing that a few years back. Um, you know, and it's like you say, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Manchester United fan. Um, but I, I would, you know, I'd go and watch football anywhere. I've, I've watched games all over Europe, all different teams. Um, you know, like you say, if there's a game on, I'm quite happy to go and stand and watch it. Doesn't bother me. Absolutely. I, I was a little bit earlier than you. I, I started following football in 78 as a six-year-old. Mm. And you wouldn't believe it. I think it was 82. Um, my dad... Uh, God bless him. He's passed now, but he was a big, uh, he was a big greyhound owner. So he used to race dogs, and every year we used to go over to Wolverhampton, and we used to race in Wolverhampton and Birmingham and stuff like that. And I used to stay on this farm with uh, friends of the family, and I experienced World Cup '82 living on a farm in Wolverhampton <laughs> and Birmingham for a month nearly, you know. So you could see how people got caught up in it and all. It was unbelievable and stuff yeah. like that. So that's they're my they're my earliest memories of football and how intense it was and stuff like that and all. It was absolutely fantastic. Um in, in terms of um I suppose before we get in, Manchester United, what's what's your feeling at the moment? Um Eric's oh. gone in now. Happy with Eric going in? Um I mean look, you know, we've had we've had some of the sort of the better coaches in Europe. We had Van Gaal and, and Mourinho and, and it didn't work out that great. So, you know, I, I don't really know what the answer is at the moment. I, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of goings on at the club at the minute, a lot of unrest. And, um, you know, we've tried buying marquee players to keep people happy and, you know, that hasn't worked either. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's always a new beginning when someone comes in. So you sort of hope that the, the players, new broom sweeps clean, so they say. Um, and hopefully it'll be a bit of a sort of better season because the last six months have been uh, terrible to say the least. Mm. Yeah, I, I find we cover the transfer window twice a week on the show with the latest updates and stuff like that. But I always find like even when your team is doing well, there's a certain anxiety about the transfer window, isn't it? Because yeah. especially if, if you look at my own team, Liverpool at the moment, we're going to lose Mane, which is terrible. You know, what a player. And and the chances are, I think we may lose Salah as well um, because I don't know whether they're going to let him run down his contract and not depend on what moves he make. But there's just that anxiety when you're bringing new players in and established players are going and stuff like that. It can just so easily fall flat in its face. But yeah, I thought, I, I thought I'd get your thoughts on that. Anyway, let's move on. The, the writing, how did the writing come about? When did this inspiration to write these football books come about? 
Um, like I say, you know, massive football fan in general. Um, you know, eat, breathe, sleep. You know, it's just all I ever think about. To be fair, um, I started doing my coaching badges. Got involved with a local team. Um, sort of stepped away from that really, work commitments and things like that. Um, just got in um, on Twitter. Um, there was a there was a fella who who was sort of running a sort of like a, a website, um, and he was looking for writers, part time writers, just voluntary work. So you know, submitted a couple of articles, got quite into that, and then sort of just kept kept bubbling along with that for sort of a couple of years um, until about about two years ago. Um, and when we went into lockdown, the first lockdown, I thought I'm going to have a bit of time on my hands here, like because you know the, the country was going to come to a standstill. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I'm a scaffolder by trade, so I work in construction. So we was under the impression that you know we're going to be sat at home, not a lot to do. So I decided to just sort of start writing um, a couple of articles, which in turn led to a couple of chapters. And I just thought, if I write a dozen chapters or a dozen articles and merge them into a story, then you've got a book. Surely that's the sort of basis of how to sort of go about doing it. So I, so I did. So I, you know, I sort of had I already had the sort of concept in my head about sort of because me and my friend had sort of spoke about it in the pub, saying, you know, you know, jokingly, Pep Guardiola's broken modern day football by changing all these sort of you know, weird and wonderful formations. Everyone should just be made. We, we actually we actually sent off to the um, official government um, petition um, to, to make all Premier League football teams go back to playing 4-4-2, but it never come to fruition in the Houses of Parliament, unfortunately. Oh, my God. It was, sort of, it was sort of something, you know, like, um, you know, two mates drunkenly down the pub talking about how good 90s football was when everyone played the same formation, you know, give or take. Um, and sort of how we've gone away from that, and and that's and that's how it started really. And then I, and then I just sort of started researching teams that had played these formations. I mean, you know, the, the obvious one is obviously as a Man United fan was was us. So, and then it sort of you know Arsene Wenger was the same until later on when he decided to go away from that, and I, it just went on from there really. And like I say, it was just a case of just writing about each sort of team and and whatnot, and then just trying to pick which ones out. I mean, look, Brazil, you know, you would never have thought Brazil would have played 4-4-2, but when they won the World Cup in 94, they played a they played a square 4-4-2 in the midfield where they didn't really play with wingers. They had four central midfielders in a, in a box that just yeah. moved around the pitch. Um, but, yeah, so it, it was sort of stemmed from that, really. And, but I, I'm... There's a couple of authors that I chat to on Twitter, and and they say once you start, it's a it's very addictive. And I sort of got halfway through book two and thought, oh, that'll do me after this. And I've gone straight into book three, and I'm already thinking about four and five. Do you know what I mean? So, oh my god! So the bug the bug has caught fire, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it can be it can be a bit tough because obviously I work full time, and you know, you've got family and whatnot. So you do try and. You know, you, you've got to do an hour in the morning here and an hour after work here. So it does, it does sort of. You've got to be quite disciplined. It does take a bit of your time, but obviously, the, the, you know, the the end product is well worth the the sort of sacrifice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I'm in the same boat because of the lockdowns and stuff like that. I got into podcasting because again, I I work in retail. I have a store, so that was shut down for 
the guts of a year or whatever mm. it was. So I was literally sitting at home here and I just started podcasting basically out of this. And then I, I didn't realize the amount of work involved in it. Um, <laughs> and then when I went back to work, there was an expectation that I would continue the podcast. And so I tried to fit everything in, but it's just, it's flat to the board at times. Um, yeah. In, in terms of, in terms of writing the book, do you, do you plan it out in terms of, do you have an end game of what you expect the, the end product to be? Or do you just sort of go along with it and eventually arrive at what, what you think? Yeah. It should be? I mean, I, 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 I'd imagine it's sort of horses for courses with, with all different people. But I, on both of mine started with a, you know, like a, a sort of a start, a middle and a finish. And both times I've got three quarters of the way through and just juggled it all around and just gone on a bit of a tangent in another direction. So mm. um, I suppose it depends what you want to try. And because of because mine's sort of history-based as opposed to a story, you can't really rewrite history, so to speak. So what's happened has happened. So you've just got to mm. try and really work out, does that fit in with that, you know, and go from there. I suppose if you're writing a um, a novel, I guess you can sort of, you know, go in a certain direction. Um, but, yeah, that, it sort of both times have, have changed. I've been quite flexible. I haven't been rigid and thinking it must be like this. Mm. Yeah, and in ter- in terms of your creativity, because I've spoken to other uh, football book authors, in terms of your creativity, um, they've often said to me that they don't ever really arrive a, at the at being fully satisfied with the finished product. There's always look back and they go, "Well, there's something else I could have changed, or something else I could have put in, or something yeah. I took out or put in, or whatever it was." Is, is that the case, or is it once oh. you were finished with this one, especially out the four four two? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think probably the, the sort of one of the best bits of advice I got given was a friend of mine's partner as a teacher. And she said when she was at university and she used to have to give in her work, she said she would often change the first three. Of, she'd read it over and over and change the first few paragraphs because that's the first bit you read. And I think when I did the first book, I think I changed the first chapter about half a dozen times and in the end just thought no I've got to just do it because you could like you say you could read it 10 times and end up with 10 different outcomes change this or I'll change that I think what you what I did on the second one was just wrote it read it back through see if it flowed um, you know look for any obvious errors and then if there was unless there was something I desperately wanted to change I've just left it because otherwise you, you can become like I say you can become a bit obsessed with it yeah, absolutely. Now, tell me about this. It's it's interesting to see the parallels between us. Um, when I told the family I was going to start podcasting, they kind of you get the eyes up in the air, kind of thing, and you go, "Oh, you think you're going to be the next Joe Rogan type of thing and all this kind of thing," you know. So when you turned around here, here's John McNichol, construction worker and stuff like that, on lockdown, turns around, and goes, "You know something? I think I'm going to write a couple of books." What was the reaction from the family? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, it sort of, it didn't really hit home until um, until I'd sort of got the got the thumbs up from, because uh, the company who published my book, Pitch Publishing, um, yeah. I was in a bit of dialogue with them and then they come back to me and said, you know, we, we, I'd sent them a, uh, a an example off and they said, yeah, we, you know, we want to run with it. And it sort of kicked in then. And then all of a sudden there was a deadline and it become, you know, it was, it was, but yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of friends were just, just taking the mickey like yeah whatever yeah 
Um, and then obviously when you get to the end, you start public, you know, say, saying, look, you know, this is going to be out soon. And they're like, oh, you have actually wrote one then. Yeah, 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 okay. I have. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they, 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 just, they still give me a lot of ribbing now. You know, just, um, you know, oh, have you retired yet, Mister Rowling, and and all that sort of thing? But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but I can yeah, imagine. Yeah. yeah, here's the here's the Charles Dickens of football type of thing. And all, you yeah, know? that's Absolutely. it. You know, and I get yeah. the odd when you're down the pub and someone will say so, and they say, "Well, you wrote a book. You must know about it." You know, but it's yeah. all good. It's all good fun. So when the when the publisher gave you the time frame. And they gave you the end game. What was the pressure like then? It must have become very real then, did it? Well, to be fair, with the publisher, they're they're really good. If you if you submit an idea and say, I've got this idea, I wanna, you know, I wanna do a book about it, you send off a sort of a bit of an excerpt and they say yes or no, whether they wanna go with it. Um, but they you give them the time frame. So they don't say to you, right, this has got to be done in three months. They just say, When do you think you'll have it handed in by? Um, and then they go from there. So I can't, I started in the March 2020, and I think I said I would have it done within a year. Um, and I actually got it done on the Christmas. It took me about 10 months. Um, okay. um, yeah, so I handed it in at the end of – I actually handed it in in the end of the January, and it came out on the 5th of April. So it was quite um, – it was yeah, it was sort of about 10 months, and the second books probably took about 10 months as well. So it's probably not a bad yardstick, really. And that's not really, you know, busting your balls either. Mm. What was what was the feeling like when you held the first physical book? Um, yeah, I'd got in from work and my wife said, something's been delivered for you. And it was the first printed copy. And it was a Friday night, funny enough. So, yeah, we had a we had a couple of lager shandies to uh, to celebrate. Some... But, yeah, it, 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 even now I've got about I've got about three or four copies just dotted around in the in the room where yeah. people have signed them and things and it, it every, oh, really every cool. time i look at it, it just doesn't look real yeah absolutely i'm gonna bring up the book here the cover because i want to i want to get in and show our viewers the cover which i think is outstanding um what was the inspiration for the cover i presume you were a subudio fan like myself well, you know what right i was i'm gonna my a, a, sort of one of my best pals sort of we sort of put the idea into my head we were trying, I was trying to think of a cover. I'm, I'm not, I might be sort of creative with words, but I'm not very good at graphic design or sort of anything. And I didn't really know what to do, but we used to always talk about playing um, the old video games, Championship Manager. Yeah. And obviously, and that's where the arrows um, sort of from the wingers and the one midfielder going one way and one, because we used to say, you know, that was the formation to play 4-4-2 with your wingers going up and your, your midfielders zigzagging in the middle. And then he said, well, why don't you do that with some Subutio players? And then like, sort of each each Subutio player depicts a team in the book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, was, I thought that's a great idea and sent it off to the designer and he sent it back and it, it just, well, it looked better than what I, I thought it was in my head. So it turned out all right. Yeah, it's it's an absolutely brilliant cover. Like if you're, if you're a real like football historian and you know your football, it just catches your eye so well. Like it's it's a brilliant cover the way it's done. Like in there, as I said, you know, regardless of the content in it, I'd buy it just for the cover because that's uh, my my love for football. It just reminds me of my childhood and stuff like that. And all really really good. Um, let let let's move on and talk about the the, the new one then. Oh, to the the chosen few footballs piano players players. Mm. Um, talk to me about that one then. What what was the logical thinking moving? Obviously, you had. 442 done what was the move on to this one then 
I was watching um, I was watching a program and it was uh, and it was high it was actually highlights of the um, two thousand and five Champions League final when Liverpool beat AC Milan. And it, I was just flicking through. I was laid on the sofa, flicking through, and you know, and I was just in. Milan had just gone three 0 up, and I just sort of caught myself, just sat there watching it, and obviously, you know, watch the watch the next ten minutes unfold, and all the goals and the penalty shootout. And I just thought, you know what? That that day, Steven Gerrard was was insanely good, and the fact that he, you know, as a captain and a leader, dragged that Liverpool team from the you know the depths of despair to you know, eternal glory. And I thought... As as he did so many times. Yeah, as he did so thought, many times. And I yeah. thought, I wonder how many sort of players in history have had such an impact on teams, um, you know, in, in, that sort of, in that sort of form. So I just literally got a notepad, wrote down half a dozen players, and it just sort of went on from there, really. So it was just a case of just you know, doing a bit of research on the player, watching a couple of YouTube videos and then and that and that was the next and that was the next one really and, and that was it. So I just sort of tried to sort of pick a bit of a mixture of players from sort of old old and new. Um, you know, I mean chapter one's about Ferenc Pushkas because, you know, he was absolutely instrumental in a in in both a Hungary team and a, a Real Madrid team. So and then you know Diego Maradona, and then obviously you've got your you know your Lionel Messi's and your, your Cristiano Ronaldo's, and like I say, Steven Gerrard. And when you actually read about all these players, you know that although they've been surrounded by good players in good teams, they've still risen above to w- score the last minute winners and the last minute equalizers and the winners in cup finals, you know, and just take that team to the next level. Yeah, I wonder how big was the list, and did anyone not make the book? Well, you know, it, the the thing is with writing about anything like this. I mean, if I go back to the first book, a bloke at work was an Ipswich Town fan, and he said to me, "How come you haven't put Ipswich Town in there? Because they reached the UEFA Cup final in nineteen eighty two or whatever it was." And you know, and I, but you know, it's like anything; it's subjective and 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 sort of your opinion is not going to be the same as, as you, my opinion is not going to be the same as your opinion. That's, yeah. that's what we talk about down the pub. I think he's a good player. You don't, you know, and vice versa. So I'd imagine there'll probably be quite a few people that say, how come he's not made it in there then? Why did you, you know, and, but there, I, I think I've covered quite a broad sort of spectrum of, of players. But again, you know, I didn't want to mention every player that's the, the best player that's ever played because that's not what the book's about. The book's about, players that have made an impact on a team, whether they've been there for one season or five, 10, 15 years. Do you know what I mean? Like Gerard did it for Liverpool over, over a decade. Whereas someone, uh, you know, just for example, um, like Adele Tarap, who played at QPR, like single-handedly got them out of the championship, you know, in 2011, um, didn't really, work for him in the Premier League. But that year, he was their sort of instrumental player. So there's, there's, there's a bit of a mixture, you know. Some some of them, some have got chapters and, and sort of at the end, there's a there's a, a couple of chapters of, of players that honourable mention, so to speak. Yeah, the, se- the secret for those people who say that to you is you can tell them, you wouldn't believe it. I have them in volume two and you can <laughs> yeah, gather all your information yeah. for the next edition or the updated edition or whatever it is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Hang on. Um, when uh, all 
we're going to be dropping by the way the links are going to be down in the description there to amazon and everything for all these the the, the releases on the books and stuff like that so any of our viewers at the moment who are looking to pick them up out the 442 is out there already you can pick it up it's available practically everywhere and we'll have links down there and we have a link down there as well out to the chosen few as well um in, in terms of out to the chosen few which which is um which is your favorite chapter um, probably, oh, I liked the, the Johan Cruyff one was a good one. Obviously, you know, Steven Gerrard and a lot of them play, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, I've, I've lived through their career. So you see it day in, day out, you know, but when you read back to players from yesteryear, um, it's just really interesting because, you know, if you say to someone in a pub, Johan Cruyff, what's that mean to you? They'll say manager at Barcelona, did that turn that he's famous for, you know, sort of the general things that you know about him. But when you start reading about things you don't know, like how he got into football, um, you know, and, and all the bits and pieces that go along with it, it, it is really interesting. So you sort of, you're learning as well, like sort of Maradona when he was sort of at Napoli and the things, you know, that goes on there. So it, it's just things, it's just, it's like the the, the research is is nearly as good as the writing part. Yeah, you'll see over my shoulder there if I get out of the way. Yeah. That's my Mar Maradona jersey there, signed by him and everything and all. Yeah, absolutely. Classic oh. piece. Um, in terms of, I suppose they say when you've written your first book, follow-on books, it becomes a little bit easier. But what was the difference kind of in the dynamic, obviously between 442 and The Chosen Few? I mean, it, it's kind of a slightly, was it a different approach, a different way of having to, to write um, or did it just flow somewhat the same way? Yeah, I think, like I say, because I got three quarters of the way through um, an O to four four two, and I was still sort of fumbling about with research and and sort of bits and pieces, and 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 I sort of I suppose as I got towards the end, I got into a bit of a flow of looking for things and bookmarking things and making notes. So when I started the second one, I, I just carried on in the same vein. And just use the same process all the way through. Do you know what I mean? And and that seems to sort of work a bit quicker. So, just just makes things a bit easier, really. Nice. And what what's what's the plan? What's the plan for the launch on the new one? Um, there's. I think um, I'll probably have a party at home. <laughs> that, that'll be a, that'll be about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's fifteenth uh, of August is the is the launch day for the second one. So just as the football season's kicking off, which will be nice. That's perfect timing, actually. I'm going to bring up the cover here again as well. It's an absolutely fabulous cover. And look, look, when you look at a cover like this, could, could you pick three better players, really, you know, when you're picking for mares and stuff like that? And especially the two boys, Messi and Ronaldo. I mean, two boys that have gone head-to-head -head for years as the best players on the planet and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I and, mean... You, you you know, like I say, football's very subjective and you, you'll speak to 10 different people who will tell you that 10 different people are the best player that's ever played. But with them three there, you're probably not going to be a million miles off throw your hat on any of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking um, when I when I looked at the cover as well and, and, and the context of the book, I was thinking about the time. Remember when Ronaldo came off 
and he literally coached the Portuguese team. Yeah, remember that? That's the first thing I thought of when I looked at the book, The Chosen View, and I was thinking, and I mean, he's had some incredible moments in his career, but when he was hobbling around on the sideline, and I think he had an ice pack <laughs> taped around his knee and all and stuff like that, and he was on the other side of the line, and he was coaching the players on and all that kind of stuff, and I just, I just thought it was incredible, and I, and I seen. I seen a video there the other day. I think it was on TikTok or something like that. And it was like, when remember when he went over to tell your man to take the penalty? Take the yeah. penalty. It's no problem. You have this and all this. It doesn't matter if you miss, he says. Just go do your best and all this. And it was, yeah, it was it, just... Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. So that one, that one, when when I seen that the book, I thought of that straight away. How he just drove the team on, even when he was off the pitch. Like like the manager really was irrelevant at that stage. He was yeah, literally he, coaching the team on his own. He'd been out yeah. at this point, hadn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So it was absolutely brilliant. Um, well, listen, um, brilliant having you on. Thanks for taking the time. No um, really look forward to the new release. Really enjoyed four four two. As I said, you off camera, um, because I'm a coach myself, like yourself. It's a great reference book as well, and I've been yeah. lending it out to some of the coaches in the club and stuff like that. It's been doing the rounds, and they've been really enjoying it. Some good feedback. It's it's great because you can sort of scribble down some little points and tips, and especially if you're studying and doing your badges or your license and stuff like that. It's a great reference book as well, yeah. um, and especially when you're even talking, even if you're talking to. Uh, you know, the underage kids and stuff like that, and you're coaching them and stuff like that. And even then, I have a kind of a dynamic where I coach the younger ones, but I also coach up as far as under 19. Yeah. And the dynamic between the two is crazy, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, did, I did the full spectrum from mini fives to adults, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I've, yeah. Been, I've been there, yeah. Yeah. I often I often think the mini fives are more growing up than the adults. <laughs> yeah, they are, yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure you, I'm sure you've experienced that, too. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we'll get you back on again when all to the chosen few releases. As I said, the links are going to be down in the description for um, the books if anyone wants to pick them up. They are absolutely fantastic. Well put together, well researched, some great information in there. And we wish you nothing but success with the release. It's going Thank to be absolutely fantastic. And we look forward to number three. Is there any hints about number three? Can you drop any hints at this stage? or? Oh, it's number three is about, it's about basically my pain of following England. So... Um, obviously, uh, I, I was hoping that they it sort of secretly, um, you know, I'd have been a bit gutted if they had won the European Championships because it would have ruined the tone of the book, but uh, oh, okay. But, but, so, uh, this is know. like this is like uh, this is like John McNichol's Diary of Adrian Mole following the England Football Club, yeah. It's just uh, it's just obviously, like I say, when I was nine years old when Italian 90 kicked off, and then you know, yeah. sort of, I, I can sort of remember leaving school in Euro 90. 96 and sort of starting work and sort of just think going through from there really but um yeah so i'd actually started the england one um mm. i started it after an 0 to 442 and i did the first chapter um and and i say it was just that afternoon when i watched the, the sort of highlights of the 2005 cup final and i started scribbling a few notes down and just thought you know what i'm gonna get stuck into this one and so, so as soon as I finished, I'd already done the first chapter of the third one. So it was just straight. It was a good, easy transition. Yeah, I, I say that to guys all the time, even with the podcasting. 
I mean, you've referenced a couple of times being down the pub. I often say to people, down the pub is where you find the best podcasts because yeah. it's where you find it's where you find all the the A rated managers are at the bar, all the yeah. tacticians are at the bar. Everyone has an opinion, and it's fantastic. But I also say as well, it's such a subject that's endless. I mean, you could write book after book after book about it, and it's the same with podcasts. And when I started out doing this, it was like one show a week. Now we do shows daily, like because it's just it just grows and grows and grows, and there's just so much content to cover and stuff like that so yeah it's absolutely it's limitless really in what you can cover and what you can write about football oh, unbelievable well, again that's you know that's that's sort of loosely how the the 442 book started was me and me my friend like i said earlier sitting at the bar to, sort of saying about how that was the best football and the best times in the 90s etc um so yeah that you know say so, drunken bar drunken bar chat yeah, absolutely. That that England one sounds fascinating because it sounds like it's going to be your journey through football, through the national team and stuff like that. So that should be an interesting insight as well. Um, tell our viewers, where can they find you? Look you up or whereabouts do you? Where are you on Sorry? Twitter and all that kind of oh, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, my Twitter page is at the Wishy Man 80. Um, what I'll do is I can send it to you if you want to put a link in. Yeah, um, and... On um on Twitter as well, you've got the chosen few, at the chosen few book and at four four book as well. Excellent. Yeah, we'll put all those links in there as well for our viewers and stuff like that. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I love getting authors on because it's such an insight into the process and stuff like that. Um, and we will have you on again when the book releases. We'll see. We'll get an update on how things are going and what the yeah. what the reaction has been to it and stuff like that. And and we'll wait for volume three to come out with your own yeah, that's as, it, as yeah. an England fan. That's going to be interesting <laughs> as well. As always, folks, drop a subscribe and hit that bell notification button as well. And also, if you want to contact the show, it's the upper tier podcast at gmail.com. You'll find us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, on Twitter at the underscore upper underscore tier. And you'll also get audio versions of the show, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. John, an absolute pleasure, and thanks for taking the time. No problem, no. Take care.